The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollas, and you are listening to Pa the Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 15 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Pod Chat Talking Dance. Halloween is sneaking up on us and October is about to come to an end. The leaves are changing, the sun is setting earlier, and most of us are steadfastly preparing Nutcracker in some form or another. I've said it before and I'll say it again, I just love fall and all that it has to offer. But before I forget, I want to make sure that all of you dedicated listeners know that we had a glitch with last week's episode about the exponential process of hard work through commitment, physical effort, and emotional effort. I know many of you were tragically, which may be an exa- a little bit of an exaggeration, but I'm going to go with it. Uh, but yeah, I know many of you were tragically disappointed when the link played the previous week's episode. I just want to let you all know that that link has been fixed and you should be able to listen to the episode in full now. So please head on back over if there was an issue last week. Uh, I know that it was on iTunes, I believe. I don't think it was on our RSS uh, Libsyn feed and it wasn't on our premierdancenetwork.com feed. So now that we got that covered, uh, always keep in mind this podcast is posted on iTunes, the premierdancenetwork.com, and that RSS feed that I told you about. So if one link is corrupt or not working, you can usually find it working properly on another channel. Um, it's usually just something went wrong in the, the loading process, the downloading process. But thank you to those who did reach out to me to make sure that everybody could access that episode. It warms my heart to have such dedicated listeners, so I really appreciate it. All right, with all that said, a quick note on on my upcoming class schedule just to keep you all up to date. I've got advanced beginner ballet classes on Fridays at 6 p.m., beginner ballet classes at 10.30 a.m. on Tuesdays, and basic ballet classes returning at 6 p.m. on Sundays on the 12th of November at Broadway Dance Center. I will also be teaching an advanced intermediate ballet class at Steps on Broadway on Friday, the 3rd of November at 2.30 p.m. So if you are local to New York City or if you're visiting, please feel free to come on in and join me. Uh, Lately, even more and more people have been coming into class and letting me know they listen to my podcast. So always very exciting to meet you guys, and I I hope to, to meet even more of you as time passes by. Alrighty, since we are about to embark upon the spookiest holiday of the month, I figured I would talk about fright. Stage fright, that is. (laughs) Stage fright is an odd thing. People work really hard to step on a stage and to show off what they learned, show how much they've improved to impress those around them, and to express themselves. So why do some dancers freeze up when it comes to that moment they've spent hours, days, and weeks working for? And even if they don't freeze up, they they might spend 
hours trying to fall asleep the night before. They might have severe anxiety leading up to the hours before they step into the theater to put their makeup on and to warm up to perform. I think it is simple for some and complex for others. Some dancers have stage fright from the time that they are wee little young ones stepping on stage uh, for their creative movement number in the local dance recital. And sometimes that disappears over time. They don't keep that stage fright. Uh, While other dancers experience stage fright as expectations of their performance and their level of success rises or uh, when they get promoted to higher ranks, that puts the internal pressure on oneself to rise to to the occasion in a different way, at least mentally for them. I've never really experienced stage fright myself, but I don't think that I haven't experienced stage fright. I just think that I internalize the adrenaline and nervous energy running through my body into a different format. Excitement. But yeah, for everybody, it, it, it's, a different, it's a different situation. And some people always have stage fright. Some people don't have stage fright. Some people, it leads to them uh, not pursuing dance as a career. For other people, it causes them to end their career. Um, there, there are many different aspects to, to stage fright. While I haven't necessarily had it in a conventional sense, I do think that I can help those of you who may suffer from this performer's nightmare. So let's talk quickly about why I think people get stage fright and hear out some tips to help work on counteract or change your mindset to deal with minor to crippling bouts of stage fright. I feel like every time I say stage fright, I need to have some like spooky ghost noises playing in the background, but... Don't think that we're going to be able to do that this week. That's going to be a lot of times because I've already said stage fright <laughs> many, many times. All right. So one of the one of the big reasons that I believe people experience fear before they go on stage is because they they have the fear of failing to rise to to expectations. And this could be the expectations of the audience. This could be the expectations of your bosses. This could be your own personal self expectations. This seems to be the most common reason for developing fear in your performance. Many dancers have no problems rehearsing their scene, uh, whether it's in a group, their variation, their pas de deux, or whatever work they're working on uh, in front of their peers and teachers in the studio during a rehearsal process. Um, I mean, you kind of get used to your day-to-day work, and you know that the rehearsal process, it's not like people came and paid to see you perform. Um, It's not like you have people you don't know, like you're comfortable with the people around you, you kind of have an idea that they either support you or they don't support you, all of that. But then suddenly the big day comes to dance on stage and this person collapses into an emotional ball of fears. Some of them might be reasonable, some of them might be completely uh, unreasonable. I believe that the reason behind this is due to the expectations that surround a performance. People take their free time and pay money for tickets and expect to see someone enjoyable, fun, impressive, moving, or the whole array of reasons that they would want to come and see a performance. Additionally, in the audience, there may be critics, people that could actually write in a newspaper um, their experience uh, watching a performance, and there's a possibility that you could become a pivotal part of that, that experience and people could read about it. When a dancer internalizes this, they can feel their stress levels magnified times the number of people in the audience. 
Beyond this, if dancing is your job or you're competing and could get work out of it, like at a Youth America Grand Prix type com- competition, uh, the expe- expectation of possibility, whether it is getting a job or maintaining a job uh, or even gaining a promotion in this sense if, if it's for your boss, this could be a great stressor that enhances stage fright. Uh, if you put that much pressure on yourself to perform for other people that uh, – could potentially give you an opportunity. I mean, I understand how that could be that could be stressful. It can put a lot of uh, a, a lot of weight on your shoulders because you start to imagine, well, okay, if I fall out of this pirouette, is that going to cause me to mess up this next thing? Or if I, like, it's kind of a, a slippery slope. Like, if, is one thing going to cause another thing? Um, a lot of times when I'm talking to my students when we're in rehearsal. Uh, especially the the younger ones that are like between 12 and 16 years old, what will happen is if they make a mistake, they stop and they stare at me and then they mess up the next thing. And I keep on telling them, I'm watching, don't worry. I see what's going on. You have to learn how to let your mistakes go and in the moment and then we can talk about it afterwards. Um, so that's that's one thing that I, w- I could put out there that I, that I think is helpful. If you do have a moment while you are, are performing and something goes wrong and y- like you have that stage fright that leads to that anxiety, um, it, don't get caught up in the moment. You have to just let it be and then you can address and analyze it later. But you don't want a moment in a performance to cause uh, a chain reaction where all of a sudden everything collapses. And I think that that's a lot of... A lot of uh, the basis for where the stage fright comes. A lot of people are afraid that they're just going to completely collapse on stage and they're going to forget emotionally, not necessarily fall on the stage. But um, they're they're going to lose like where they are in the choreography. They might uh, other they might fall out of something and then they'll fall out of the next thing and it'll just continue to to go downhill from there. So. Um, that's one way that I, I, I've coped with things in the past. I mean, every dancer makes mistakes. I always say that professionals um, are professional because they just cover up their mistakes. You never have a perfect performance. And most professional dancers, it's how they, they handle things that go wrong, whether they're slightly off their leg or if they have a, a lapse in a moment where they forget one step and they just keep on going. And you go off stage and then you deal with it after that. But yeah, um, Lastly, um, after working so hard to perform a certain way and often only getting one to few opportunities to show off and do well, um, many dancers have high expectations to perform the best that they have ever done in or outside of the studio. Um, In companies especially, I think dancers forget that if you stay with a company for an extended period of time, usually repertoire comes back. I think I performed rubies, for instance, the most in my career, Balanchine's rubies, and we did it in three different programs over my seven seasons with the company at our home theater in Seattle. And then we performed it in Vail, I think two times and I did a gala or two. So, um, a lot of times in a program, if it's your first time doing a leading role, um, you might only get one show and dance to put a lot of pressure off. I don't do well in this one show. That's the end. It's the only time I'll ever get to do it. But a lot of times these things come back. So it's sort of like a, a chance for you to get your feet wet. And then the next time it comes back, you are one of the more experienced dancers and you might get two or three shows and then you'll actually be more comfortable. So yeah, I think that you just have to keep uh, uh, your a level head when you're when you have stage fright, when it comes to fear of 
failing to rise to expectations because a lot of times those the expectations are really only like I know I mentioned that it's audience expectations and then management and boss expectations and self expectations, but in reality, the stage fright that comes with that is purely self expectation, and it's whether it is your own personal hope to do well um, or not. It, it the other ones generally tend to be your expectation of how they're going to react to the audience and your boss. Okay, so another stage fright thing, and I already kind of touched upon this, is the fear of making a mistake or forgetting the choreography. Um, And I'm just going to reiterate a little bit of what I said. Um, A lot of times people, they go, oh my gosh, what if, what if? Um, And that's not the way to go about dancing. I I mean, I'm not the best. (laughs) It's kind of do what I say, not what I do. Um, I don't do this in my dance life, but I do this... uh, in my regular life, I am always waiting. Like I'd rather have a plan B and a plan C and a plan D in case something goes wrong. Um, like for instance, if I uh, am going to, I don't know, have a birthday celebration, but we haven't like made reservations at a certain place. Um, and I only say that because my birthday was a couple weeks ago <laughs> and I had to make reservations. But say that you, we did that, I would have to have a backup plan that like, oh, we're going to go here because there's six people that are planning on having a good time. And if this place doesn't work out and it's too many people, we have to make sure that we go here. Um, but if somebody has an allergy to this, maybe I need to take that into consideration because they can't go to this place because it only does this type of food, like seafood. I don't know, different things like that. That's kind of, I don't know. It's not my favorite explanation in life, but that's the kind of idea. But in dance, uh, really the fear of making a mistake or forgetting choreography, it's, it's going to happen no matter what, whether, whether you work as hard as you can and do everything you can, uh, or not, it's going to happen. We're human. Um, we're also working on defying gravity and, uh, coordinating our bodies and you can't replicate the same thing always forever. Um, you can get close, but maybe one day, uh, I swear sometimes gravity is different. <laughs> and if I go to like do a pirouette, gravity pulls me differently. And I'm like, oh, well, I, I thought I executed the same and I didn't. But there's too many muscles in your body and too many uh, nerves and things happening in your brain that where you may feel like you're doing exactly the same and maybe you have more nervous energy and you uh, pull a little too fast into a pirouette. Um, or I was telling one of my kids for Youth America Grand Prix that I'm working with right now on contemporary choreography um, that they need to make sure they're engaging their rear end because when you get on stage, you already have a little bit of nervous energy, which kind of gives you a little bit of a shake to your muscles. So if you aren't engaging the main muscles that are going to hold you upright, that a mild little shake, if you're not properly placed, could throw you off um, your leg and you might fall out of a technical element. But yeah, so the best way to get rid of stage fright in the fear of making a mistake or forgetting choreography is just accepting the fact that it's going to happen. Um, and instead of getting pent up on it, have a backup plan. If uh, I remember my teacher when I was 16, uh, I was uh, I was actually competing at the first Youth America Grand Prix. And I was doing the La Female Garde variation. Um, and... I was, I still wasn't very solid in my, my execution of pirouettes. And he taught me that there are six ways to properly fall out of a pirouette so that nobody ever knows that you have, uh, executed incorrectly. It has to be a pirouette at the end, like a finishing moment. Like you might 
instead of going down to your foot, you might go down to your knee. Or if you go down to your knee and you start to fall, just roll over to the other side and go to that. <laughs> Worst case scenario, roll down and throw the arm up in the air like like Corsair. Um, <laughs> but it's that idea that if you have a backup plan um, you and you just roll with it, then it's going to be okay. And chances are most people, unless they really know the choreography, are not going to know that you made a mistake um, or forgetting the choreography. I always tell my dancers in my classes at Steps on Broadway and Broadway Dance Center that it's important for you to find pillars in choreography, um, things that you're very comfortable with and you don't have to think about, whether it's at the end of a musical moment or whether it's a big technical element. Um, as long as you can find your way back to what you're doing, you're fine. Um, I've seen, I remember when I was dancing with Ballet X back in 2011, there was a big pas de deux where two extremely professional dancers, something happened, they blanked and they couldn't get back on the music and they waltzed around the stage <laughs> together for at least 30 seconds until they were able to find their way back into the music. And granted, yes, they were horrified, but, um, that's what you do. You find your way back. So if you have a backup plan or if you find your pillars, that will help you at least dissolve some of the stage fright that you might experience. All right, moving on. So um, another area that a lot of people get stage fright in is the fear of the unknown. Um, and it's kind of the idea that you work so hard to control your body and to control what's happening on stage while you're you're dancing in the studio that once you get on stage um if something happens really i mean it's kind of out of your control you can do your best to take care of it but uh people they, they have fear of the unknown because they they don't have control of the situation um and this is just one of those like you gotta submit yourself to it and just know that there is always the possibility that <laughs> something could go horribly wrong or that somebody in the audience i mean i was doing nutcracker at pnb one year and there was a fist fight in the audience um i when i danced with ballet x and i was dancing an amy Sywart pas de deux she uh, just took over sacramento ballet as artistic director or she will be taking over at the end of the season um and there were, i had to grab my partner and pull her in really tightly and the last thing i expected was to hear a dog bark in the audience. <laughs> I think it was like a, uh, a, what do they call those? A service dog. And it thought that I was attacking her and it barked every single time that I had to grab her. And it was a very aggressive pas de deux. So like seven times while I was dancing, the dog barked, but I had to keep on going and I couldn't be distracted by it. Um, I noted it <laughs> and then I moved on. So yeah, the fear of the unknown, it's just that you have to, you have to just go, okay, that's how life is. That's the whole, all of our life is like that, but don't let it really press you to a place where you can't, uh, you don't want to go on stage. Um, the last area that a lot of people have stage fright is just fear of humiliation. Um, it's, it's difficult to, I don't know, like, it's difficult to put yourself in a, in a place where you can be judged. And a lot of times if somebody like, I don't know if they do a science project and then they put their, they, they put their, their findings out and then they don't win an award or if people don't think it's very valuable. Um, it's interesting because they 
their their product is something that is outside of them um and that's the the judgment doesn't feel as personal because it's something that uh isn't them but for dancers your product is your body your product is your mind your product is your emotion your product is your interpretation it's a very uh personal experience when you put yourself on stage um because it's it's not like you're presenting something outside of you. You are presenting you. And if somebody doesn't like your performance, it almost feels like somebody doesn't like you. Um, or if you had this deeply personal experience, uh, say that there was uh, you had a relationship that was devastatingly broken up, and you went on stage in the piece related to you in some way with that and you went out and expressed yourself so deeply and then the the reviews come back in the newspaper or online and they're like oh their technique wasn't great and it was the performance didn't really feel genuine to me or this or that um it could feel humiliating to be in that type of situation because it's, they're not judging what you developed and then put out of yourself it is you um, so I feel that a lot of dancers are afraid that they're going to be humiliated in a way or if they fall and the, you hear the audience laugh or gasp or anything like that. Um, some people really internalize that. Although I always thought that if I fell on stage that it was hilarious um, as long as I didn't get hurt. So, I mean, everybody has their own interpretation of these things. But um, really, it's just I think that people, the best way to, to cope with this uh, is to just know that everybody's going to have an opinion. Um, I saw a performance a couple of years ago and I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. I saw the three acts and at the end of the very last piece, I didn't enjoy the first piece. I didn't enjoy the second piece. And at the end of the last piece, the curtain came down. And the first thing that I thought in my mind was, wow, what a piece of shit. <laughs> and then I heard somebody behind me go, hmm. And that was definitely the sound of, oh my God, I love it. And that, that shows you what a vast array of perspectives there are just within two seats. Um, so whether you're in a theater full of parents um, that maybe are looking at you saying, wow, well, my daughter deserves to do your role, that kind of thing, or whether you're amongst a bunch of audience members in a professional setting, um, there's going to be a, an array of opinions and people are going to, people are going to have them no matter what. Some of them might express them. Some of them might not. Some of them might be humiliating. Some of them might be, they might boost you. Um, and you just have to understand that that's the way the world works. Everybody's going to think a certain way. And if you internalize it too much, it could really just push you too far to, to anxiety level. So just understand there's going to be somebody that loves you and there's going to be somebody that hates you and there's going to be everybody in between. Um, so if you, I think you really need to look into yourself um, and say, okay, who matters to me? And then uh, take those perspectives. Uh, it doesn't just have to be like, I matter to myself and only my opinion matters. Um, but I, it is, I think, valuable for you to look at what other people are saying and to go, okay, that's a reasonable assessment. Maybe I need to work on that. Or um, I think that that's crazy. Or I was really Really pleased and I don't need anybody to validate it. There are many different ways to look at it, but I think that that's the best way to go about it. So these are my stage fright things. My voice got really weird there for a second, <laughs> but um, yeah, these, these are 
different aspects of stage fright. Um, I think it's really important just to talk about these and to assess these and come up with ideas with how to deal with them because I actually know a couple of principal dancers, um, one that spoke to me personally about this and another that I heard stories about um, that they didn't really have stage fright when they were students. They might have had minor stage fright as apprentices and core members, and then they moved up to soloist and felt more pressure. And by the time that they became principals, they felt such a... uh, they felt such a... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Responsibility. That's it. Glad I found that. But they felt such a responsibility to not let people down because they were principals and they were doing leading roles. If you're a principal and you're doing Romeo and the name of the ballet is Romeo and Juliet, that can feel like a lot of pressure. Um, And it drove them to do negative things. Um, One even retired and then the director convinced them to come back. And what they would do is they would have a a random injury or an accident uh, or like all of a sudden appear in a boot, even though they hadn't been to a doctor. Um, so they didn't have to perform. Um, and I know one actually ended up getting counseling and they found like performance counseling and they found a way to work around the stage fright. But I think it's important that we don't wait until it gets to the point where you can't handle it and you just want to quit. Um, this goes back to, I've talked about this in previous podcasts and on my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer. Um, emotional training is not often talked about very much in dance and stage fright is very important <laughs> and it needs to be talked about in coping mechanisms. Um, and also the idea that stage fright isn't something that happens when you're a little kid um, and goes away as you get more comfortable performing. A lot of people actually develop stage fright the more... <laughs> advanced and the more professional they get and the higher rank they get because the pressure, uh, it gets greater. So I hope that these things help some of you out. And, um, if there are other ways that you've coped with stage fright or other, uh, reasons behind stage fright, I would really love to hear from you. Um, because I could probably discuss that in a future podcast or if I'm ever giving speeches, sometimes I'm hired to, to talk about certain things. Um, I would love to have more information from, uh, a greater audience to share. Cause I mean, we're all in this together and I think we need to help each other out. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's my Halloween episode. I'm sorry that it wasn't spookier, but <laughs> you, you get what you get. All right. So I hope that you guys all have a really happy Halloween. Maybe take some of those stage costumes and impress people out walking around your neighborhoods <laughs> or don't because you don't want candy and leave re- leaf residue from all the leaves falling off the trees. Okay. This is going in a weird direction. So let's just call that the end. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pot of Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerolis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in to talk pod, a chat talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. You can check that out at premierdancenetwork.com. That's Premier without an E at the end. 
If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollis, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over five years. I also have two YouTube channels, B. Corollis featuring my choreography and choreography featuring my choreographic web series that tells life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pod the Chat. I hope you return next Friday to Talk Dance with Me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.